tonight revealing testimony from one of the main drivers of the Ottawa convoy protest. The point of view from organizer Pat King. What's a little bit of horns for 10 days? How he explains his social media threat. Yeah, it was inappropriate. Yeah, I should never have said it, but it was said. Weather whiplash in Canada. The faster you can get it, the easier it is. From a wintry wallop to spring-like temperatures. It's a beautiful day. It's been the day outside. Plus, developing a natural weapon in the war on waste. We discovered uh, two enzymes in the saliva of the animal. High hopes for the lowly waxworm to combat plastic pollution. CTV National News with Omar Sachedina. Good evening, everyone. One of the key organizers in a so-called freedom convoy made it clear today he doesn't think much of the rights of people forced to endure the occupation of Ottawa, who were kept up all night by the relentless blaring horns. You see, we've been locked down for two years, and people are complaining that they heard horns for 10 days. Do you remember what we went through for the last two years? What's a little bit of horns for 10 days? Pat King defended his role in the protests at the Emergencies Act inquiry, including a social media video where he said the Prime Minister might get shot. CTV's Judy Trin on today's testimony. Mr. King, I love you. Thank you. Early on in the Freedom Convoy, organizers knew Pat King's involvement could result in blowback, but laughed it off. I remember in a meeting once that I had... Uh, jokingly referred to him as a hand grenade going off in a room and scaring everybody else that he was it was going to explode and and it was a bit of a joke organizers welcome king an oil and gas worker into their fold king previously participated in the united we roll protest in 2019 he testified he called his contacts in the parliamentary protective service to let them know the convoy was coming i reached out because I have a rapport with PPS. The commission heard there were police leaks of information to protesters. You were getting information from sympathetic police, is that right? That's correct. Tensions among the convoy's leadership grew when King's past posts on social media surfaced. Take 10 second clips and characterize somebody by it, but I'm waiting to defend myself on this one. King said his post about the prime minister getting shot was out of context. Trudeau? Someone's going to make you catch a bullet one day. King made that video after being banned from a flight because he wasn't vaccinated. He said he wasn't inciting violence, but making an observation. I said that because you're lucky it was me that day, because I would have never acted on that. But if it had been somebody else, and there's a lot of people that are upset, lost a lot, and don't give a crap. Yeah. They're going to have a mental breakdown. As the heat grew, organizers tried damage control, issuing a news release to state King did not speak for them. But it was too late. King was undermining the leadership's attempt to persuade truckers to move. There were groups of them going around giving letters out saying that the convoy needs to move. They made an agreement. It's a lie. Today, the lawyer representing the people of Ottawa expressed frustration that convoy organizers are being given several days to testify, while citizens were only given one. He's already launched a $300 million lawsuit against the leaders, but is now considering suing every single trucker who occupied the Capitol and every person who donated to the cause. 
Omar. All right, Judy Trin in Ottawa tonight. Judy, thank you. As many as 2,000 officers from across Canada joined a procession in Richmond, British Columbia today to honor a young RCMP constable killed in the line of duty. Shay was more than a hero. She was human. Everything she did was defined by her empathy, her compassion, and her belief that she could change the world. Shailen Yang, a mental health and homeless outreach officer, was stabbed to death two weeks ago after attempting to issue an eviction notice with a municipal worker to a man living at a local park. Yang was 31 years old. Tensions between North and South Korea ratcheting up tonight after Pyongyang continued a barrage of weapons tests a day after shattering a single-day record for most missiles fired. Here's CTV's Vanessa Lee on the escalation and growing concern about what could come next. Air raid sirens went off just before 9 in the morning local time, sending people racing into underground shelters. North Korea fired at least 23 missiles, the most in a single day. One landed close to South Korean territorial waters for the first time since the country split. The unprecedented barrage came hours after North Korea threatened to use nuclear weapons to get the U.S. and South Korea to, quote, pay the most horrible price in history in protest of joint military drills involving around 240 warplanes. I think it's trying to uh, tell South Korea not to be as cooperative with the United States in military exercises. And it's also just uh, probing for uh, weak spots to see what the, uh, the response of the international community is to, uh, to these firings. South Korea fired back with three air-to-surface missiles. The National Security Director says any threats against its citizens are unacceptable and the government will do everything in its power to respond sternly and swiftly. The U.S. calls the launches reckless. They've come during a period of national mourning after 156 people were killed in a Halloween crowd crush, South Korea's deadliest disaster in eight years. The heightened tensions are renewing concerns North Korea could soon resume nuclear testing, which it has not done since 2017. Vanessa Lee, CTV News, Montreal. In Ethiopia, there are signs of hope tonight in a two-year civil war that has killed thousands and prompted dire warnings of famine. The government and Tigrayan forces have reached a surprise deal to end the conflict. Almost 90% of people in Tigray need food. Hospitals are running out of drugs, and the region has largely been cut off from the outside world because there's no internet or phone connectivity. Both sides have been accused of atrocities, including ethnic cleansing and sexual violence. A previous ceasefire was breached in August. An about-face from Moscow today, as it once again agreed to a crucial deal allowing Ukrainian grain to be shipped to international markets. Russia backed out last weekend after what it claimed was a drone strike on its ships in the Black Sea. Russian President Vladimir Putin says he's received assurances that Ukraine won't attack humanitarian corridors. Also today, the United Nations said 14 million Ukrainians have been forced from their homes by the Russian invasion, about a third of its population. 
In Washington tonight, U.S. President Joe Biden urged voters to save American democracy with major midterm elections less than a week away. Biden says the political system is under threat from Trump supporters' election-denying lies and the violence he says they've inspired. It's estimated that there are more than 300 election deniers on the ballot all across America. We can't ignore the impact this is having on our country. It's damaging. It's corrosive and it's destructive. That Democratic push comes as Republicans continue to call out Biden on his economic record, another key issue in the midterms. Today, the U.S. Federal Reserve raised the key interest rate by three quarters of a point for a fourth straight time to fight high inflation. And as CTV's Richard Madden reports, for many Americans, this vote is all about the bottom line. With just six days to go, President Joe Biden is shifting his campaign message, insisting the struggling economy is turning a corner. Inflation is still hurting people, but we're making real progress. But with runaway inflation driving up prices from food to fuel, Americans appear to be voting with their wallets, and several polls suggest they think Republicans are more trusted to fix it. Uh, unfortunately for Democrats, the economy supersedes anything else. Larry Sabato runs the University of Virginia Center for Politics. He publishes The Crystal Ball, analyzing election and polling data down to each district. Uh, I do think there is a tide pulling in the Republican direction. Uh, it's very easy to run against an incumbent administration when the economic conditions are not good. How is the president's messaging on the economy been? The president's messaging on the economy has been indecipherable. Uh, I, I think Democrats? it's hurt Democrats. I think it's hurt him. Uh, he was given bad advice. We won't go back. Democrats have mostly focused on protecting women's rights and saving democracy, while Republicans are hammering the flailing economy and flooding the airwaves. That's the burden of Joe Biden's inflation tax. Now some Democrats in tight races are distancing themselves from the president. Joe Biden gets it wrong. I call him out. Both parties offering two stark choices, making this bellwether house district one to watch. It looks like the red wave is coming. How do you think President Biden and the Democrats are handling the economy? I think they're being reactive instead of proactive. Probably women's rights right now. For me, I want my daughter to grow up and be able to make decisions on her body. And both the current and former president will both hit the campaign trail in this final stretch to get out the vote. Control of Congress boils down to just a handful of states. Omar. All right, Richard, thank you. There is a troubling new snapshot tonight of how vulnerable children are inside their schools. The Canadian Centre for Child Protection found almost 550 children reported sexual offences by at least 250 current or former school personnel over a five-year span. Sexual abuse survivors are calling for provinces to create an independent body to deal with complaints from parents and conduct investigations. We want to make sure that it's looked at even from the perspective of inappropriate behavior uh, from teachers to students. The report also found 167 personnel had been criminally charged over the five years. Police in Winnipeg made arrests today after some children received cannabis edibles for Halloween. Two adults were taken into custody, a 53-year-old female and a 63-year-old male. The items came in packages similar to Nerds Candy, which goes against Canada's labeling rules. They were given to more than a dozen children, according to investigators, though there are no reports of anyone being harmed. 
Well, winter doesn't officially get here for another seven weeks, but for parts of Alberta, the early blast is a jolt after a warm October. To the east, the balmy temperatures are the surprise. Here is CTV's Alberta Bureau Chief Bill Fortier. Outdoor ice cream is not a normal November treat. In Winnipeg, the Manitoba capital hit nearly 18 degrees, a city typically bundled up by now, dressed down, some even enjoying the unseasonably warm weather with a late season round. It's a beautiful day. You can spend the day outside. People are friendly. Yeah. And uh, everybody's having a good time. Swinging in Manitoba, shoveling in Alberta after the first major snowfall of the year. Well, I expected it because it always comes in big. At 81, Rosie Brestridge knows the importance of clearing sidewalks quickly. It gets heavier as the day goes on, so... And besides, I don't like people slipping and falling. The snow and below zero temperatures left Edmonton covered by a blanket of white, and at least 20 centimeters fell in Calgary, weather contributing to more than 600 crashes in both cities. Makes it hard to get to work, but we're coping. <laughs> we're yeah. big skiers, so we're kind of excited for the snow, but the driving around here sucks. Experts say the vastly different weather just two provinces apart is a result of a large weather system across much of the western part of the continent. So right now the air in Alberta came from the north in the, from the Arctic and the air that we're seeing in southern Manitoba was moved up from the southern states. Temperatures have been unseasonably high across much of Alberta in the 20s for much of October. But Environment Canada says winter weather could now be here for the rest of 2022. Unfortunately, we have a really strong signal that November is going to be quite cold across the western part of Canada. Winnipeg's unusually nice weather ends in the coming days. Both Edmonton and Calgary will actually warm up by Friday, but more snow is possible this weekend. Bill Fortier, CTV News, Edmonton. Coming up, elevated calls for change. It was quite devastating. Airline aggravation from passengers with wheelchairs. Plus, a heroic home break-in that saved lives. Traveling has been difficult since the skies opened back up after COVID restrictions, but it is even harder for people who use wheelchairs and say airlines are treating them like second-class citizens. One passenger says he was humiliated. Another says she was stripped of her independence. CTV's John Venavalli Rao on the calls for accountability. Mayan Ziv came out to meet us in the wheelchair she's using temporarily. After a custom-built one she loved and counted on was wrecked during an Air Canada flight. It was quite devastating. My wheelchair was crushed. That's what it looked like anyway. Ziv flew to Israel in September and upon arrival... Just my wheelchair. ...made the awful discovery. After being in the cargo hold, her expensive powered wheelchair had been damaged and no longer worked properly. A devastating experience that she says happens far too often. It not only stops my life from continuing, it also signals to me that I don't matter. That my life or my, my experience in travel is not important. Shane DeWild feels the same way. He's flown with his electric wheelchair plenty of times. But last month on a WestJet flight, the ground crew struggled to fit his chair into the hole and flipped it on its side, causing the rear lights to go on, which was a problem. The aircraft can't depart with um, any kind of unintentional power activation and devices in the belly of the aircraft. After trying for nearly an hour to resolve the situation, the chair was removed along with the wheel, 
taken out in front of other passengers so the plane could leave. It felt really demeaning to me being that I'm, I'm not doing anything wrong. DeWild says airlines need to make sure they can properly transport wheelchairs, and WestJet has apologized. The mishandling of them is something passengers have long complained about. Canada's federal transport watchdog, the CTA, says from April to August it received 28 wheelchair-related complaints involving airlines. It's like experiencing a really uh, quite violent assault on something that matters deeply to me. There are calls for better training of ground crews and increased accountability. Canada's Minister for Inclusion earlier this fall met with reps from the CTA and Air Canada to discuss the issue. Some are even calling for changes to be made, requiring airlines to allow passengers to bring their personal wheelchairs into the cabin and sit in them instead of stowing them below. Government transport officials in the U.S. are looking into that, with a growing number of passengers saying their wheelchairs should be treated as more than just luggage. John Benavelli, Rouse, CTV News, Toronto. Some incredible video now of a man in Alberta who may have saved the life of a neighbor he had never met until a fire in the middle of the night. Please open up! A doorbell cam captured Travis Levitsky desperately trying to wake up the family inside this home and warn them about flames next door, eventually kicking his way in. There was a big bang at the door, woke my wife up, she woke me up. The family thought it was a break-in at first. Levitsky also warned the neighbors on the other side of the burning house. Firefighters say everyone made it out unharmed. Incredible. Still ahead, an insect with impact. The tiny pest that could be a big pollution solution. Humans produce about 400 million tons of plastic waste each year around the world. Now, researchers think they've found a possible solution in the saliva of unlikely heroes, waxworms that can break plastics down. Here's CTV's Melanie Nagy. They're small, plump, and can easily destroy honeycombs. But the beekeeping pest, commonly called a waxworm, just might be a solution to plastic pollution. We found out that the larvae can degrade polyethylene, one of the most produced and resistant uh, plastic to date. Spanish scientist Frederica Berrocini has long studied waxworms. Her latest research focuses on the powers within its spit. So we discovered uh, two enzymes in the saliva of the animal that can uh, oxidate and uh, break down uh, polyethylene. Polyethylene is one of the most common plastics and a major contributor to global waste, along with tracking the worm's ability to consume the durable material. Bertocini collected its saliva and tested it directly on plastic. She found the spit rapidly degraded it at room temperature. And what the enzymes do is exactly this, and they do that in within hours from exposure. Those enzymes create a chemical reaction that's believed to help break the plastic into smaller molecules. It's totally fascinating. Many scientists, like BC's Michelle Tseng, are reviewing the study. Tseng is not only intrigued by the findings, but the possibility they could lead to new ways of recycling. I think we can really learn from nature. Maybe we should be mimicking nature in that sense to try to get rid of some of these products. Polyethylene can be found in everything from flooring to water bottles. While the worm has potential, large-scale commercial use is far off. If we're going to mass produce these insects, we're going to create a different kind of waste. <laughs> like we're going to 
Insects poop a lot. Despite the drawback, scientists are already working on synthetically reproducing and reusing the worm's plastic gobbling saliva. Melanie Nagy, CTV News, Vancouver. After the break, trees of tribute. Marking the end of a mission, honoring those who served. A wonder of nature is also serving as a symbol of service tonight. A tree planting campaign inspired by the Canadians who stand along Ontario's Highway of Heroes to salute fallen soldiers marked a significant milestone. CTV's Adrian Gobriel on the recognition of remembrance, honoring those who served this country. As bagpipes echo across Fort York, a shovel into the soil marks a day of honor, eight years in the making. We're completing a tree planting marathon that included the planting of two and a half million trees. The Highway of Heroes tree campaign initially sought to plant 117,000 trees along a solemn stretch of road, a tribute to each Canadian soldier who ever died in service. That goal grew. Today marks the completion of planting a tree for every Canadian who's ever served in the armed forces. Nobody came back the same way they went, and uh, we as Canadians came together and planted the trees. These trees are a living memorial to the immeasurable loss that so many families have endured. They've been planted at 825 different locations across Ontario by thousands of volunteers, including Barbara Johnson. What does your silver cross mean to you? Oh, it's my Andrew. It's my Andrew sitting with me all the time, 24-7. I'm so proud to wear it. I wish I didn't have to, but I'm proud to wear it. Barbara and her husband, Ron Johnson, lost their son, Andrew, in 2004 during a vehicle accident in South Africa while he was serving as a member of the armed forces. All this that happens for these, for these fallen soldiers is, is important and it's helpful. Because don't, we don't forget, so hopefully nobody does. And it was remarkable. The toll of war still lingers as Canada's former Governor General recalls his most difficult days during the ramp ceremonies at CFB Trenton. Blessed is the person, the man who plants a tree, knowing he, she will not be there to enjoy their shade. Carry me softly down the highway of heroes. With Canada's own The Trues serenading the day, a tree for every hero is now the memorial that will stand tall for generations. Adrian Gobriel, CTV News, Toronto. A powerful symbol. And that's a snapshot of this Wednesday for all of us at CTV National News. Thank you for watching and see you tomorrow from Ottawa for the fall economic statement. Good night. CTV National News, Canada's number one newscast.